0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Corner Guys Boxing Podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Trambox. Unfortunately, Tim Rivera couldn't join us today, but don't fear, we have upcoming contender Sonny Fredrickson joining us a little bit later on the show. Sonny's a really good fighter out of Ohio. He's 21-1 right now. His one loss is a little bit, uh, I mm-hmm. guess you could say, controversial in the way that it was stopped. Some people feel a little bit too early. We're going to talk to Sonny about that later on the show and a few other subjects as well as far as his boxing career and his personal life, that way fans can get to know the latest on what he's up to, his upcoming fight, things like that. So Sunny is going to be coming up in the show shortly. Before that, though, we have a few things we'd like to cover. Starting off with, unfortunately, another incident in boxing where a boxer is seriously injured. Patrick Day recently fought on the undercard, the Usyk card, this past Saturday against Charles Conwell. He was stopped in the 10th round. And as far as I know from recording this show... He is still in a coma. All our well wishes go out to Patrick Day because I I haven't had the chance to actually meet him when his career got going back home. I was already out of New York, but from all accounts from everyone I talked to, seems like a great guy. Everyone's had nothing but glowing things to say about him. I enjoyed him as a boxer as well. Always seemed to try to fight the best guys that he can get a hold of. And I'm just really rooting for him. Um, You know, it's been a bad year in the sport as far as injuries. Me and Tim talked a couple episodes in the past about, you know, what can be done to make boxing safer as a whole. So you can check those episodes out. You know, I don't want to be the dead horse in that sense. But in Dave's situation here, you know, it's just really tough to call. And I think it's just one of those tragic things that, you know, unfortunately sometimes happen in this sport. We're really rooting for Patrick. Hope he pulls out of this. And it's bigger than boxing at this point. You know, I just want to see the kid get healthy and have a normal life that he can lead. Also of note, most people probably know of Errol Spence flipping his car multiple times. That was a near, if anyone watched the video, that was just amazing that all he had was lacerations and some cuts being thrown out of the, the car going at a high rate of speed. So as far as Errol goes, I'm, you know, very glad that nothing major. It looks like he should be back in the ring at some point to continue his career and just practice your driving or Whatever the case may be, call me and I'll drive for you. Whatever the case is, you're a multimillionaire at this point. Get Ubers, get a driver, whatever the case may be. Just be safe because you're a great boxer, as well with Day. You know, you hate to see anything bad happen to any of these guys. You know, they go in the ring and put their life on the line every time they go in the ring. So hopefully, Patrick comes out of it for the better and hopefully spends kind of has a better understanding of, you know, what to do behind the wheel at this point, hopefully after this incident. Aside from that, from our last episode, we all picked Golovkin to win. I thought he was going to stop Derrchenko a little bit later, 10th round. Tim and Marquise both went with a UD around 116, 112. it's, It's hard to say in this fight as far as Golovkin, what he has left. Because at his age, he's 37, almost 38 his style of fighting doesn't scream, you know, long career into the 40s. I know he's trying to hold out for the Canelo fight. I don't understand that because who wouldn't? It's a major payday. But is it age showing? Is it the loss of training uh, with Abel Sanchez, the trainer switch showing? Or is it he was sick, which people reported before this fight? Could that factor into the Derrachinko fight? Or is it just if you look at Alvarez, if you look at The two fights there, the Derchenko and the Daniel Jacobs fight, when he fought better competition, you know, the knockouts didn't come and he had close, debatable wins, losses. You know, I know out of those four fights, I've seen people say he won and lost all of them. Uh, Personally, I thought he beat Derchenko, 114-113. I could also see that being 114-113 the other way for Derchenko. I thought Derchenko... And I think he did the same thing in the Jacobs fight where the championship rounds, I just don't think he pulled them off. And that's what caused him to lose, you know, two close fights. G3, where did he go from here? I thought originally he should have fought um, the guy that actually fought in the undercard. I can't really say his name, Camille Simmermerda. And I heard rumors that G3 was going to be fighting him next. I think that's a great opponent uh just for the fact that Sam doesn't have much power but he's undefeated. Yeah, at this age of G three, I think only has one really good fight left. And if you think you can can get Canelo, you might as well save that fight for Canelo. So, you know, face one or two guys of this caliber and if you can't beat either, you know, of these guys and Sarah's menta or maybe another guy like him, then it, it it's pretty much time to retire. And if you can't get to the Canelo fight by the end of next year, I think it's also time to retire. I wouldn't mind seeing him fight Andre. Style-wise, it's not going to be the best fights to watch. There's a lot of Andre fights. But that's an interesting one. I I don't see Charlo taking on any good fighters, in my opinion. I, I think he's just a Ponzi scheme at this point with who he fights. And I don't think anyone's really ducking him. Dennis Hogan's not a good opponent, but... In past episodes, you can kind of hear our frustrations with the Charlos, especially Jamal and Daniel Jacobs moving up in weight. Alvarez is moving up to fight Kovalev soon, moving up in weight. There's not a whole lot of options for G3 that really make sense besides wait for Canelo or face uh, the Camille guy or someone else like him. Get a couple of wins. If you can't get the Canelo fight, you know, maybe time to pack it in. But before we get to our Sonny Fredrickson interview, Great fight coming up this Friday. Great fight for the light heavyweight division between Arthur Betabiv and I'm um, what your names, but Oleksandr Gavaznik. I'll just call him the nail. Makes it a lot easier using his nickname. Great fight this Friday. ESPN 2, excuse me, ESPN Plus. It's really just a fight you don't really hear a lot of people talk about. You know, if you go on Twitter, you know, a lot of people are talking about the fights that we don't have or could have had or whatever the case is. But to me, I, as soon as this fight was announced, I was very excited for the fight. I think it's a great fight. The nail is 17-0, 14 knockouts. Better beef, no slouch at all, 14-0, 14 knockouts. I mean, it's pretty close to a pick fight as you can get. The nail's a little bit taller. He's a better boxer technically. He has a little bit more reach. Better Beef has a big edge in power. So it's going to be interesting. Better Beef, one knock I have on him is so far early in his career. He hasn't really tested himself. I mean, yeah, he stopped Cloud in the second round, but Cloud was really well, well past it. Callum Johnson, he stopped in the fourth round. That was a really good win. But at the same time, Callum Johnson dropped, in my opinion, if he would have jumped on Better Beef, he might have stopped him. So. That le- Not that Calum Johnson can't punch, because he can. But that leads me to wonder about Betteby's chin. He's also been stopped previously against Jeff Page Jr., although you can call that one off balance. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, the nail was hurt against, not hurt, but looked a little stunned for a second two against Stevenson, but no big downfall. And that Stevenson still had power even at that age. And that was his big win on his ledger. He also has a, a stoppage of Chalemba. I believe Chalimba pulled out with a broken hand, or they claimed a broken hand at the end of round eight. Carpensey, he has a win against, and a few other names that are out there. But his resume as well, it's it's not terrible, but you take it with Stevenson, and it's pretty comparable to better Beef at that point. Better beef is coming off a nice win against Hot Rod. He has a win against Callum Johnson. And then after that, I mean, you're looking at an old Campillo, an old Tavares Cloud, you know, Rako Sanders, a a journeyman type that has a name. So it's going to be a really, really interesting fight because you don't really know what either of these guys have as far as going against the top, top competition. I have both of them in the top four of the division. I think I have the nail second and better be fourth. If I'm correct, I don't have my rankings in front of me, but I think that's what my rankings were. Really, really tough fights to call. It's, I mean, anybody that says they have a really good feel on it, either way is either boxing genius or just, you know, talking recklessly because I can see this going either which way. I could see better beef catching the nail, stopping him. I could see the nail outworking him. As I said before, better beef has been down twice in his career. So, the nail is no slouch as far as power goes. He's more of a boxer puncher type, where better Beef, you know, can just throw one out of left field and, and catch you with it and stop you. But interesting fight, hard to call, hard to predict. If I'm gonna go with a pick, I'm gonna say the nail by a close decision. I think he's the better boxer over better Beef, but I, I don't really say that with any sort of confidence. Because, again, it's 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 a coin flip. I could see this really going either which way. Should be a great fight. But I'm going to give the ed- edge to the nail. The Stevenson fight was a big fight. And it was also in Canada. So it showed he can kind of go on the road. I mean, this fight's in Philadelphia. So that's pretty much even neutral territory as far as I can tell. But it showed he can go into big lights in a, of, of a fight, which this will be. Obviously, there's no favorite fighter as far as home turf, but just going candid and being in that atmosphere in a big fight showed that, you know, he can get the job done. So I, I think that may carry him with the experience from that fight. Betting line-wise, he's a 130, negative 130, better be plus 110. You can also see him a little bit closer in odds for the most part. So odd-wise, it's really right there either which way. Over and unders, negative 145 plus 115 at seven and a half rounds that I'm looking at. Even that's tough to call because, again, better be if it catches you with a good shot, you can get stopped. So it's a hard fight to bet on. I wouldn't suggest betting a lot unless you're just balling like that. But, um, you know, I would just say bet maybe a few bucks if you want to spice it up on what you think happened. But I, I, I honestly I don't have a good feeling to fight. I've seen each guy probably five or so times in the ring, but I'm going to give the nail the edge just in the higher profile fight with Stevenson. And I think Teddy Atlas in his corner and experience from the Stevenson fight, I think both those things can really come through and, and help him out in this one. But again, Friday, great fight. Also coming up soon, Progress Taylor next weekend, epic fight. I think this has a chance to be fight of the year for me. That's coming up next Saturday on DAZN. I'm going to ask Sonny about that fight in particular because that's his division 140. So I think he'll have interesting take on the fight bearing that he's in that division. Ask some other divisional questions and things like that as well. But to touch on that really fast, that's another great fight. I think that has a chance to be fight of the year we got to wait and see. And that one, I'm going to give the edge to Progress myself. A no-knock against Taylor. I think that both have the capabilities of being great fighters. But Taylor looks to me to be a potential great fighter. Progress, to me, looks like the potential to be a special fighter. And, again, you know, we haven't seen these guys against the top, top notch of the division the winner of this fight, nothing against Ramirez, is the number one at 140 for me. So we'll see next Saturday. You know, I, I, again, I'll go with progress, progress. Uh, I just think he has the potential to be special, while Taylor has the potential to be great. But all that can be erased because the fight's over in the O2 Arena. Taylor's going to have the home crowd behind him. Going to be interesting. He had a really great fight with. Barnett, no more name butchering, Ivan Barnett, the guy, the guy that just won a couple of weeks ago when he fought Barciro, but he's, you know, a really good fighter himself. So it's going to be really interesting. You know, Taylor has a solid win against Postal, a nice win against Vasquez stopping him. He stopped to hire Davies when that was a coming prospect and people thought highly of him. So I think overall resume... He may have the edge in progress, but he has no slouch either. He had the Terry Flanagan, whitewashed him for the most part. Undago he beat, which it's hard to gauge that because Crawford stopped him early. Progress stopped him one round earlier. But Joel Diaz Jr. was a nice one at the time. So I'll give Taylor the home home turf advantage, being in the OT arena, and a better overall resume, which should help him. I just think that progress has the potential to be special, but we'll find out on the 26th. So that's a definite big fight to catch. Also, on some more news, the Crawford card against Mean Machine was officially announced. That's December 14th. I'm not too excited about that, but at least we get to see Crawford back in the ring. We also get to see Michael Conlin. Not that excited about that fight, but the Kami versus Lopez fight, is a great fight and also I think has potential to be fight of the year. So it's going to be a worthwhile card to check out just because of that fight. But again, you can't really argue with Crawford. Anyone that doesn't have a top three pound for pound, regardless of what you say about his resume, you're out of, his mind, uh, you're out of your mind at that point. The eye test just shows that he should be a top three pound for pound. He just needs the resume to prove it. So hopefully top rank and PBC can work together. Because even if we can't get Crawford against Spence, I wouldn't mind Crawford Thurman, Crawford Porter, Crawford Garcia, any of these guys, Crawford against a top five or six welterweight, you guys, Pacquiao, any of these guys just would be satisfying enough. But enough of me talking. Right now, joining us is contender Sonny Fredrickson. Thanks for being on the show, Sonny. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity to speak with you. Yeah, glad you can make glad you can make it. Um, so I was wondering, the first question I have for you, and everyone kind of differs as far as why they got into the sport of boxing. So. I'm wondering what made you get into sport, whether it was a family member that was a big big boxing fan got you in, or you saw a fight on TV that was memorable, or, you know, what drew you into the sport to want to become a boxer?
1: I just always used to watch um, ESPN Classic Fights, and then my um, grandma's friend opened up a box shop down the street, and then I just asked to go there, and eventually they let me go, and I've started boxing ever since. Pretty much
0: watching old fights. Hmm. interesting. Interesting. Um, so when you became an amateur I don't know your whole amateur credential but I think you had about 130 fights I remember 120 and eight is what I found 60 knockouts you were 2013 National Peel bronze medal winner I think you had 5 Toledo Golden Glove championships what else did you accomplish in the amateurs that I couldn't find out um, at least the mo- uh, most important things
1: I mean, I have some big knockouts on some some names that are now that are pro, you know what I'm saying, that are pretty well-known. Uh, I'm not going to say the names, but, yeah. But you can look them up, on, look, look them up online, though. You'll definitely be
0: able to see them. All right. Yeah, because I noticed the 120 and eight, I don't know if that's accurate with 60 knockouts. is pretty impressive, especially in amateurs, big gloves, headgear, and everything. You know, half your fights won by knockout shows you I had some good punching power.
1: Oh Yeah, I mean – I mean, I wouldn't say it's exactly 60 knockouts, but I definitely stopped a lot of people. It was mostly with body shots, though. All
0: right. When you – when the amateurs, is there anything that you missed? Uh, you know, I've asked a few people this question, but what's – you know what's different from being a pro to an amateur, but what do you miss about being in the amateur ranks, if anything?
1: Um, I wouldn't say I really miss too much of anything. I hate it, though – Fighting in tournaments and wing in every day, so that stuff sucked. But as far as like maybe, maybe being a fight a little bit more, I don't know, and traveling a little bit more because you get to go to all the tournaments, so that was a little bit nicer, yeah.
0: Because one, my one friend explained it, whereas, and it kind of made sense. He said, uh, amateur fighting was almost like being in school, and pro fighting was graduating high school, and he kind of liked the amateur fighting of the simplicity where you know, like you said, you stay active and and it was just about the fighting and not about the politics. And that was something that always kind of resonated with me where it's like, that does make sense to me.
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah, that's, so, uh, that's, that's kind of true. I never thought about it like that.
0: So you turned pro, you had a good start to your career, you were 18-0. And then I can never pronounce some of these foreign guys' names as much as I try, but I like to call him Shoho, just shortened name. vigor Shaw, whatever the hell his last name is, I can never pronounce it. But it was a battle of two undefeated contenders, and the fight was stopped in the third round with him winning. What did you think of that stoppage? Um, I, I know,
1: I. I mean, it was a good stop. I, I would say, though, I mean, I was, I look, like I was hurt, but I'm saying I think I could have survived it. Definitely would have got out the ring, but you know, what I'm saying I. I think they are just looking out for my health. And I did break my jaw in that fight, so if 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 anything, it was a good stop just because I didn't want my jaw could have been broke way worse if I would have kept fighting.
0: Definitely, definitely. Yeah, because you didn't go down and it was still early. It was the third round, whereas I could see if they stopped it. I personally I would have let it go on just a little bit more just for the fact that it wasn't late in the fight you know if that would have been the eighth ninth round and you know a a duration of the fight i could see you you know them pulling the plug it just seemed without you being knocked down or you know looking extremely hurt you were still throwing some punches back you were still blocking and you know if i was them I, i i could see them letting go the rest of the third at least to see what would happen but like you said you know they're just protecting your health and unfortunately Patrick Day just passed away, so it just shows the seriousness of the sport and, you know, the repercussions that, you know, fights that go on a little bit too long and what can happen. Yeah, that's definitely true.
1: From that situation, before he got knocked out right there, you didn't think he would would ever die in that fight.
0: Not at all. And it just happened in a split second. Yeah, and uh, what kills me, and this should really – get to you as well i see a lot of people online they always you know this guy's a quitter and things like that and when they're in the ring but you don't know what someone in the ring is going through and a fighter or a corner or both should really know you know when it's time to pull the plug when they think they've had enough so it really aggravates me when fans call people quitters when you know probably 95 percent of the people that watch boxing couldn't even do a round or two of the punishment that somebody in there gets. Yeah, that's definitely that's definitely true. You, you, they, a lot of people like to
1: speak on something they never done, so they don't really understand it. So if they got in the ring, then they would understand it and they would respect it more. This so like that's like calling a, a fighter a bum or say calling him a quitter. So there's really no bums in boxing. If you're getting in that ring, you, everyone, everyone deserves the same respect, win or lose.
0: I agree. I agree. Like it just shows us this year, there's been a few deaths in the, Spurs. you know, anything can happen when you step through those ropes. So at minimum, you know, people should respect boxes. I could see if, you know, maybe you don't like a certain matchup, like Crawford's fighting December 14th. People don't like mean machine as an opponent. That's all fine and well, but you know, he's still undefeated boxer mean machine and you really can't call him a bum because you just don't like him going against Crawford. It's kind of, you know, Outlandish.
1: Yeah, that is definitely true. They're saying that because they're trying to defend I don't know. They I think p everyone that's saying that calling him a bum that he's fighting bums is they're all just wanna they they all disagree Earl Spence is the best and that's what it is, but I think sans
0: Crawford's better. You know, and that's another thing. It's like I like Spence and Crawford because I'm on the side where you can like both of them. I like PBC, I like top rank. I just wanted to see the best fights and fighters that That's what I want to see. I don't really pick and choose and you know with uh I'm a DAZN fan or ESPN fan I just want to see the best guys fight that's maybe that's just my thinking, but yeah that that's how I am too
1: i don't I don't care about any of the networks like far as like that goes. They can fight it on regular t v it 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 doesn't matter to me where they fight. I just want to see the fight and see it soon. Yeah. well at, yeah. well I didn't see tense well aero Spencer's got hurt, so we don't know how long he's going to be out for.
0: Yeah, it's just, I don't know if you saw the video of the accident, but it's just amazing that he walked away with that with just, like, lacerations and minor scrapes with, you know, I've seen people, you know, fall off a bike and get a broken collarbone or sternum or something, and this guy just flipped over six times out of his car, and he's like, all right, cool. <laughs> did he did he walk walk away and stuff? I, I don't know, to be honest with you, cause, but nothing was broken, so I... I mean, I would assume that he at least could stand up. I mean, if nothing's broken, unless he was unconscious. But, you know, if nothing's broken, I guess you could walk away, at least stand up, you know, and walk to the ambulance. I, I don't know, though, as far as what actually happened. But I will say that I think it happening so close to the porta fight, I think him being in top condition – definitely helped out. Whether it was me in that accident, I probably would have been splattered all across the street. But you know, with him being lean and in top shape and muscles are exercised to the peak, I, I think that really helped him a lot in that accident. Yeah, it definitely probably had a lot to do with it. And just bottom line is get a new bra. I mean, yeah. <laughs> pay me and I'll drive you around. You're a multi-millionaire now, but in in the the fight with Shoho that you lost Yeah. What did what did you take away from that fight, if anything? Because a lot of times in a a young boxer's early career, a fight like that, you know, gives some good lessons on future on what to do. uh, What did you take away from that fight uh, that you know you can implement in fights down the line? Um, What I took away from that fight was not letting my
1: weight blow up to like it used to be, and having lose so much weight close to the fight like that. Feel like that had a lot to do with it. I didn't have no legs in that fight, and that's because I. I, my my diet
0: was horrible and I just I I crashed the weight quick. Well, Definitely, definitely. And I've I've heard a few fighters come up with that being an issue as well. Uh, as a matter of fact, Spence uh, had that issue that he said he didn't have a nutritionist. Um, so it definitely means a lot, you know, when you can get near your fighting weight. And not have to like you said cut that. Do you remember what you were up to before you had to start losing the weight to get to 140?
1: Yeah, probably like probably like 160, 62. All in, right. in, yeah. In, in about in about a two weeks, week and a half.
0: All right.
1: all right. I mean, I pretty I I usually used to do that all the time. Now I try to walk around that. The most I walk around at now is 55. But now right now I'm weighing like 40. 50, no, I weigh like 51 right now. So I'm I'm cool right now. I'm all sometimes I get
0: down to 49. Oh, okay. okay, Yeah, because I know um, you have an upcoming fight on the 14th against Samuel... I want to say his last name's is Taya? Yep. Okay, that sounds good. And you're putting up the USBA title that you won for Manuel Medina's... Uh, Men, Men, Mendez Excuse me a few minutes yeah. earlier. All these names, they always just stumble me. But you, you won that title against Mendez. You're putting it up against Taya... I'm not too familiar with Taya offhand, Oh, but i obviously, I know you've got some film and breakdown on him. How does your style match up? Well, against him. Whereas, you know, what do you think your advantages are going to be in that fight? I feel like my advantage is going to be my height. most definitely my
1: height. I feel like my conditioning is better than his. He looks like he has conditioning issues. He gets a little tired in fights and everything. He's never been 10 rounds before. So my plan is just to use my range. I'll box him and, Tire him out, hit him with big body shots, and be the first one to knock him out. I've watched him fight a few times. We've seen him um, when he fought Kenneth Sims. He beat Kenneth Sims, actually. And um, and then he fought Montana Love, and Montana Love um, beat him.
0: How's the, uh, the training camp going for that fight? Do you have uh, some known sparring partners in there, or are you concentrating more on road work since you're thinking about stretching to deeper waters? Or... Um,
1: yeah, I, I, in the beginning of the training camp, I, I was sparring with, um, Albert Bell when he beat Andy Venice, and then I, then I was sparring with, um, not, a little bit before the training camp um, started, I was sparring with Robert Eastwood a little bit, and just, and now I got this guy from Detroit, his name is, um, what's his name again, um, shoot, Antonio Wade, yeah, I'm sorry, I had, like, a blank stare right there, but. Antonio Wade, he was he was just over there um, in Triple G's camp, so he came back to Detroit, and now we got him coming down a couple times a week, about three times a week sparring with him. We was, I just went ten rounds a day.
0: All right. So I and mean, the fight's still what almost a month away, so you should be in really good shape by fight time. You should be ready to roll.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm definitely putting a lot of hard miles in and a lot of um a lot of um. Half mile sprints and stuff like this little half mile runs we do and everything, and like little minute rest between them, and running a lot of like interval running and stuff like that, too. All right, so we're going to assume
0: that you win the fight. Mm-hmm. So, assuming that you win, who would you want to face next in the 140 division? If you could pick anybody that you know you want to face,
1: well, I would want to face, um, definitely want to face Regis Progress. I'm saying he's with my promoter, he got the, um, the IBF, yeah, he has the no, he has the WBA right now. I'm ranked by the WBA too, and he's fighting for the IBF. So long as he beats Josh Taylor, and he has both of them, I feel like that fight makes sense. I'm ranked by both organizations. We have the same promoter. It's a fight that could easily be made.
0: And now that you mention that, next week is the Taylor Progress fight. How do you see that, you know, breaking down? Uh, from your take as a boxer in that division, how do you see that fight going? That's a good fight, man. I, it's it's, it's,
1: a, it's a real good fight. I don't know how it's gonna go. I want I want to see how it is when um, can, if when someone boxes um, what's his name? Regis Progress. What's he gonna do? I never seen someone try to really box from the outside that can actually box, and, and I think that's what um Josh Chad is gonna do. I hope he doesn't try to sit there and bang with him because I feel like then Regis Progress will catch him. I really yeah. don't know who wins that fight. That's a fifty-fifty.
0: Yeah, definitely that, and the uh, the light heavyweight fight on Friday night seems like a fifty-fifty. A lot of good boxing fights, major fights are happening where they're almost, you know, coin flip fights, which is really helping out the sport.
1: Yeah, I, I want I want to think I want to know who's going to win that. Donito Donaire versus um, anu, he's fighting new right next.
0: Yeah, the mon- I I think I think the monster beats him just because Donaire's a little bit long in the tooth, but. The interesting thing is you've never really seen Donair get stopped early and people, the monster fighting, he's, you know, steamrolling them and Donaire still has the power in the left hand. So that's going to be interesting. If he can catch him, if Donair can catch the monster coming in, you know, how, how's anyone's chin? Whereas, you know, how does react by getting hit with a big left hand? So I I think that's going to be interesting to see, but if, if the monster blows De Nair out in like one or two rounds, it's going to be like, you know, how does this guy has not on everyone's top two, three pound for pound? Yeah, and it sucks though because who else is he going to fight after he beats De Niro De Nair? I would say Lewis Nairi. That that I think off the top of my head, that's the only guy in that division that's left. Really? And you know, know. got to move up, I guess. What 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 does he fight in 22? I believe, yeah, I believe they're both at 22, 122. What weight did he start at? I want to say two weight classes down. I forget all those, the actual names of the lower, lower weight classes. But, so yeah, well, let's see. Uh, actually, I got box right ready. I'll just click it open. He's frightened right now at weight. I want to say he started at flyweight. Okay. So flyweight is, I think, 112, like you said. Yeah, 112 is flyweight. Oh, yeah. He's he's a he's a he's a monster. Thus the nickname. (laughs) If he goes up, also, I'm gonna assume that he could probably go up to super bantam. And there's a lot of guys in that weight class. You know, you got Ray Vargas, you got Rigondeaux, uh, Dog Boy I think is moving up. But you got Brandon Figueroa, you have Navarrete. You know, so if he can make that next weight class and super bantam comfortably. There's a ton of names and a ton of like really interesting fights to be had. So hopefully, you know, he can do that, especially for you being really tall for 140. What do you think your max weight would be? I don't know. I I thought about that. It just depends how how
1: how how thick my body can get over the time. And like, would I still be strong at that weight, which I'm already I'm really strong my weight now. So maybe
0: true, one sixty, maybe even higher. Hmm. Yeah, because like I said, you really one forty. I figured middleweight at least you'd, you'd probably get to assuming your body, you know, your your frame fills out. Because height-wise, I mean, you probably have the height of a super middleweight, honestly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I'm tall. I'm taller than I'm taller than most everybody in my weight class.
0: I think everyone I can think of offhand. Maybe there's one person that you know. They always have random guys in, you know, a foreign country, and some guys oh, like 6'6". Yeah.
1: Well, that uh, Mike Fox guy. He fights M.O.A., but oh yeah,
0: yeah. From uh, Baltimore, or DC area. I can't remember which one he's from. Yeah, yeah good, bro. good calling out.
1: Yeah, he. I also, think he fight. He always fights at catch weights. If, uh, if I'm right.
0: Yeah, I think oh, his because- last fights were were like 143 or. Two or something like that, so you could have, be having trouble making a 140.
1: Yeah, that's what I always think of. someone fights at a catchweight.
0: Then I was also going to think, and I always ask this question, to everybody, but Progress and Taylor are fighting in the O2 Arena, which I think gives an edge to Taylor as far as if you're going to see some shadiness with the scorecards, and plus having the crowd behind him is going to give him extra push. But as far as luckily you haven't came across it, thankfully, but you watch the sport, bad scorecards. How do you think the sport can get rid of, you know, some really bad scorecards? And I'm not saying, you know, like some people are both ways in the Spence Porter. Personally, I thought Spence won, but, you know, if you want to have 114, 113 Porter, I mean, I, you know, I all right, I'll, I'll accept that if that's what you really want to go for. But I mean, like really bad home cooking scorecards where you know like fighter a won 118 110 but fighter b wins like 115 113 116 112 like what do you think could be the remedy in the sport to get rid of those atrocious cards
1: i think you gotta like do do they get paid
0: the judges yeah
1: take their money away and then spend them
0: See, and I, I brought that up a couple of shows ago, and my co-partner that's not here with me, tonight, he was in between it, but my, my thinking was, all right, if one of these judges get paid, let's say, $10,000 for the fight, argument's sake, if you take that $10,000, well, actually, I think the first thing that anytime there's a really bad decision is that they sit down with the judge, and they watch the fight, and I want to see how they justify scoring the rounds. Like, if a it clearly wins around and it's clear, but they give it a fighter B. I want to see, you know, what their excuse is for giving it to fighter A, uh, to fighter B. You know, like if somebody gets outlanded 22 5, but the guy that landed five punches won, like how, why did you give it to him? Yeah, that's definitely true. You know, it, if they could do that and come up at least with a feasible idea, you know, then I can kind of. Go with it, but if they have no clue, then like you said, just take away their money and suspend them, or even take away their money, suspend them, and even fine them. Because if they have to come out of their own pocket, I can bet you a lot of these decisions are going to get a little bit better than you know what we're seeing sometimes.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I agree. with that. I think they should do that.
0: But currently, you were Victory Sports, uh, Mike Lenardi. I've known for quite a few years, over a decade richard torres is also part of victory sports uh how do you like them as far well i don't think you'll come on and bash him but you know apparently some boxers do bash their promoters but how do you like them as far as you know working with you and where do you see them taking you um i I like i like working on a lot you know what i'm saying
1: um I, th- I I think they really do what they need to do I'm saying like after I, they got me to the deal with Rock Nation whatever after that deal fell out they worked for me I'm saying got me a fight got well got me two fights boom then I, they got me signed with DeBella so I like what they're doing I'm saying and I I can see the vision I'm seeing I want to stay I want to the people I started with is people I want to finish with so as far as like training wise I don't ever want to leave my trainer and I don't ever want to leave managers I always keep the same manager until my career is over
0: loyalty it's yeah. very often not found in boxing but you know if any young fighters out there listening to this I I don't know much about Richard Torres except for he's rather small looking at his online photo but Mike Lenardi, I can say for a decade plus I've known him and out of all the people in boxing that I know there's like a handful of guys that probably I can count on one hand that I never wanted to set on fire and Mike's one of them so for anybody out there that's looking for some good guidance i really think mike Lenardi can young or older fighters out and put them in the right direction so i definitely think you're with a good team behind you
1: oh yeah definitely i definitely i like my team i like i like them as managers and they and they really help me out when i need when i need something like like far as like advice and stuff so they're really good with everything
0: as far as outside the ring i know that you have some charitable causes uh, do you want to get into that a little bit as far as giving back to the community? Because I know you've done in an the past and it hasn't gotten a ton of coverage. You said what? You said I did uh, a char- what? Charitable oh, okay. calls outside the ring. I know that you have given back to the community and it doesn't get a lot of coverage. And I always like to try and get fighters out there that, you know, give back to the community to let them, you know, tell of their doings for the community and, you know, what goes on and things like that.
1: Oh yeah, I've done things like far as like I got this brick at the Ronald McDonald House that we have in um, Toledo, Ohio. Yeah. Isn't there Ronald McDonald House everywhere in the country? I'm pretty sure.
0: Yeah, not not everywhere, but there's there's a lot of them around though. Yeah, major cities and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, so we got a Ronald McDonald House here, and then um, I have local restaurants, and I have and I was doing um. Fun, like they they would bring food in and they would feed all the families and all the kids that were there and everything, and they would get to meet me and meet like that. And I did that a few times. I really liked that event. And then uh, I did some stuff like when they have things at the park and everything, I would go there and, and they would like, they wanted people to show people boxing. So me and my team went there, some people from a boxing gym, and helped out with that. And then I go to the school sometimes, my old high school, and talk to the kids that are in this group called the Young Men's of Excellence. And just motivate them and everything. gave and gave them my gloves and then they're gonna auction them off at the end of the year for all the kids that improved with their grades and everything. So we do all kind of stuff like that.
0: Yeah, it's always good to see somebody give back when they can. So I really applaud you for doing that. Oh, definitely, definitely. You got, you have to. You well, you'd, you'd figure. I mean, that should be the mentality. Of everybody in the world would be a better place, but you know, unfortunately, you see some people really get in positions where they can help others, but unfortunately they don't. But yeah. I guess that's the mentality of some people. What can you do? Yeah. But outside the ring, uh, you know, how do you, when you're not training for a fight or in the gym, whatever the case is, you know, how do you occupy your time hobby wise or, you know, what do you like to do?
1: Um, usually, um, even when I don't have a fight, I, I normally train a lot still. I mean, I, I train, and I like – and I actually like running, so I actually like to run, so I run. And uh, I spend time with all my kids and everything, you know what I'm saying, just with my, with my girl and everything, so just pretty much stuff
0: like that. All right. The um, – boxing-wise, your favorite boxer could be maybe a current one or a past one, or who's your favorite boxer of all time that you can think of off the top of your head?
1: So, um, probably Felix Trinidad or Oscar De La Hoya. Mostly Probably
0: Felix Trinidad, though. Tito, good puncher. Both hands.
1: Yeah, I just like, like, every time he touched somebody with the hook, it was over.
0: Yeah, definitely a good choice. Uh, I grew up watching a lot of uh, Tito Trinidad fights. I'm a little bit older than you, so my memory goes back a little bit farther as far as fighters. But he's definitely as far as power, especially at that weight class. I, I, you know, there's not many I could say were easily more powerful than him. But definitely oh, yeah. he had power on that hook. Mm. Yeah, I like David Corrales too, man. I,
1: I liked all the old school fighters because that's why I started watching when I first when I first got into boxing.
0: I was always watching old guys like that. Yeah, I was just a big Corrales fan myself too. I always liked Corrales. I remember his fights with Casemiro and his fight with Freitas. And unfortunately, when Mayweather plowed through him, which was probably one of Mayweather's best performances, if not, if not his best, but oh, I guess man, he can't. He was- he, he did destroy him. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Yeah. On that one, it didn't really work out too too well for me then on that one. But you can't win them all, I guess. And unless, well, I guess you can win them all in certain fighters. But if you're fighting the best guys or trying to fight the best guys on a constant basis, you know, you're not going to win it all. And I, I think that's one thing with the sport these days that Mayweather has, has everybody, you know, trying to pick the zero. For example, Julian Williams Lost to Charlo. Charlo was a little bit bigger in the ring. I think that had a reason to the outcome. But still, lost to Charlo. Williams, people, average fans. This guy's garbage. Then he beats Hurd, and then everyone's back on Williams. You know, just because the fighter loses, it doesn't mean they're a bad fighter. It just means maybe they weren't the better fighter that night. So, what, what do you think
1: happens if um, if he fights him now?
0: I think that. Charlo is still too big, the one that went up to 160. And I I, I just think that the rounds at Weems, to me, the rounds at Weems didn't get knocked down and he won. So my thinking there is it was just the size and the strength of Charlo that won that fight. Now, I think Charlo weight drained a lot to get there and moving up to 160 I think right after that fight it kind of coincides with my thinking that you know on fight night he was just a much bigger man and i kind of also think of um the jacobs g3 fight jacobs big saving well one of his big saving graces in that fight if if you remember jacobs came in that fight huge because he had chris algeri working with him for the nutrition weight training whatever and to lose all that weight and he was clearly way bigger than g3 that night so you know a lot of times you know, that extra weight can really, really help a fighter out. Oh,
1: definitely. That's He missed the
0: second day weigh-in. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He did miss it. Yeah, so, I mean, not to make an excuse why Jacobs, you know, didn't get knocked out or it stayed close. And, I mean, Jacobs is a talented fighter, but I think that that extra weight really, really helped him out a lot in that one because he was clearly, you know, a division and change bigger than G3 that night.
1: Yeah. Do you, do you think Triple G won his
0: last fight? You can coin flip it. I thought he won one fourteen one thirteen, but if you thought Derrchenko won 114-113, I mean, I wouldn't argue it. I think Derrchenko and the G3 and the Jacobs fights, the last – the championship rounds, I thought – I don't know if he just didn't have enough energy or thought he was too far ahead and wanted to play Whatever the reasoning was – I think that both those fights, Derechingo lost in the championship rounds. You think so? I, yeah, thought, I, thought,
1: I, I thought I thought he won that fight. Uh, against c three? Yeah, I thought he won. What did he did he keep score of it or? No, I didn't keep score of it. I was I was thinking like, damn, this dude's really touching him. Like, I, I that's my problem. I don't keep the score of it to be honest. But
0: I, I thought he won. Yeah, I I think the rounds Derechingo won. I think he won a lot of those big, which a lot of people like I don't think it was a robbery. Like if you had Derrichenko win in like 114, 113, maybe one fifteen, one twelve, you know, I I could agree with it because there was some close swing rounds, and you know, if if he didn't keep score, I think the rounds he won, it looked really impressive, besides that first round where G3 knocked him down. But you know, a lot of Derrichenko's rounds were like, you know, big impressive rounds. But one thing with boxing scoring system. You know, you can have a big round and win 10-9, and then the other guy can come back and it's really close round, and he edges his 10-9. But there's no differential, you know, to the big round if you don't get knocked down, to winning a close round. Which I wish they almost had like a half point system. I sometimes think it would be kinda, kinda cool.
1: Yeah, that would be. That, yeah, that would be
0: cool. I, but
1: yeah, that is true. I didn't really think about it like that. that even though he won he did win those ones, you won he won him
0: big. You know, so in that sense, you know, to, if you're not keeping the score, you think they're a chink on to landslide. And also if you would have my, my thinking of you know, I know you do boxing round by round, ten nine here, ten nine there, but if you blow somebody out and don't get a ten eight round, let's say you outland them thirty to like six So most of your punches are power shots. And the other guy comes back and he outlands you, let's say 11 to 8, and you edge him out. And, you know, it was a close round, but he landed a few more shots, maybe landed one big punch when you're watching it. And, you know, it looks like he won. You get there's no different, you know, there's no differential between a massive win for fighter A and then a close win for fighter B the next round. That's why, you know, if they had like a, like if you lose close, maybe it's 10 to 9.5. And if you lose clear, it's 10 to 9 but then I'm also thinking well there's enough problems with judging as it is now so do you really want to add a half point system to everything yeah make it complicated for those guys so yeah some of these somebody gets robbed yeah some of these guys I think fill out the scorecards before the fight even starts and they go to the concession stand they come back and just hand something in I, I don't know and also I don't know how you'd feel about it but I still think, you know, they have the judges, one on each side of the ring, the three sides of the ring. I still think the best view of a fight is TV because you're seeing everything. So I almost think if they could just sit there and watch on a TV, maybe no announcing or no stats on the TV, just the fight stream itself and still hear the crowd, I think that would be better than sitting on you know three different sides. If you're sitting on the left side and the fights happening over on the right side with you know fighters back to you, how do you know exactly what's going on? Where you can just look at TV and see everything.
1: Yeah, it's true. Maybe a little monitors on this there, when, when when they're not by their side of the ropes, just under
0: their back Them. Yeah, like good, I, good idea. You know, like ESPN. If you notice, Tessator oddly watches the. I've noticed being you know at a ESPN card. I don't know if you have ever seen him, but it looks to me that he watches the fight on the monitor rather than the ring. And he's like right there. I mean, he, he's right ringside. But it looks like he watches the monitor then looking at what's going on in the ring, which to me, it's like you're going to see everything. You know, you're going to see the best of the action because the cameraman's right there. But eh. yeah, it could be it true. Be- Maybe I'm thinking too far outside the box. That an instant replay, which I don't know why every state doesn't have it. Because in the G3 Derachenko fight, that cut, not that it affected the outcome, but that cut was caused by a punch. It was clear as day. Yeah. So, you, you know, if you could take an instant replay, take the one minute in between the round, or even if it's knockdown to not a knockdown, how many times, you know, you see a false knockdown. If you have the ability to clear these issues up, why not? Use the technology to clear the issues up. <laughs> yeah, I think they should use an instant replay. You know, because I know some I states have, like, Vegas, I think, has it, but New York doesn't have it. And I could understand if, you know, you're on a card in, like, the middle of South Dakota. <clears throat> you know, you may not have technology, instant replay and everything, but if you're in a major city, <laughs> Chicago, New York, Los Angeles, any of these cities, you know, you could have instant replay, especially on the TV card because it's being taped, so... Obviously you can go back and see what happened, but Yeah. Yeah, that
1: that makes sense.
0: Yeah, well we're on the same page, unfortunately. Boxing as a whole isn't on the same page. <laughs> yeah, it never will be. Hopefully, you know, hopefully you never have to experience the bad scorecards or the false knockdowns, but sadly if you're in the sport long enough, you're gonna probably Face one of those two, so I'm rooting yeah. that it doesn't happen to you, but be prepared. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. Ready. Good thing. I, good thing I don't have to face no bad trainers or bad managers.
0: Got good ones. See, it pays off. Everybody, Victory Sports, Michael Narday, Richard Torres, give these guys a call. They can help you and get you on the right track. Yeah, definitely. But I really thank you for taking the time out, Sunny, speaking with us. Um, you know, it was a pleasure having you hope to have you back. <laughs> maybe you might stop by one day and give us a good talking to you and good luck on your November fourteenth fight.
1: Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. And, um, I was thinking, um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a me- I'm going to message you on um, Facebook because there's another guy in my gym. He's about to be fighting, um,
0: Carl Frampton. So maybe you have an interview with him. Oh, definitely, man. We appreciate that. We'll, you know, we like interviewing, and talking to everybody and, you know, we one thing, we well, Tim's not with us today, but one thing we always wanted to do when we started this was try to give shine to more guys that are up and coming that, you know, people, not not an average fan, but uh, a ca- I hate to use the word casual fan. But, you know, someone that isn't too big into watching all of boxing, you know, like every single show and introduce them to some guys that, you know, they may not be familiar with to help them you know, get on the map and, you know, get the name out there and, you know, to make new fans for guys. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Oh, no problem. I appreciate you taking time out. I know you were training down at the gym and you know, we had the communication issue and, you know, trying to get everything set up to record. But, you know, thanks for being here and thanks for taking the time and bearing with us to get everything done. All right. Thank you, man. All right, definitely. Have a good night and again, best of luck in the upcoming fight. Thank you. I appreciate it. Have a good night. I really appreciate Sonny taking the time to be on this show. He's a great guy. He's a really good contender. I'd be on the lookout for him next time you see him on TV. And again, his fight will be November 14th against Samuel Teah. He'll be defending his USBA super lightweight title. So again, thank you for coming on, Sonny. It was a pleasure having you. And we look to have you hopefully again. And best of luck on the 14th. And that concludes our show for this week thank you for joining us hopefully next week we'll be back with tim but if not we have a special guest already lined up for the next show as well we're on our bi-weekly schedule and so we iron a few things out so look for us in two weeks we'll have a new special guest and we'll also be talking about the canelo alvarez fight along with some other general things that are happening in box at a time upcoming fights etc you know how we do on the show so thank you for joining us everybody have a safe couple of weeks until next time we see you. Thank you. Have a great few weeks.